0: Gut a deer with a dull knife. We all know how much that sucks. So, um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code Nation30. That's Nation30 for thirty percent savings on your purchase.
1: Check out Dogs Are Treat at DogsAreTreed.com, and if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP twenty percent off. You will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast.
0: Good dog, get that bird. Get that bird in
1: here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman.
0: Look at your coat of golf dressing, Ike!
1: The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance.
2: Get up Yeah! 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 Good
1: boy! Good boy, ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. houndsman xp podcast i'm honored to have luke Hilgeman joining me to set this pre-roll up uh, luke is with hunter nation uh, this whole podcast was a recording at the wisconsin bear hunters association convention with luke and you know carl chotel just did not give us enough time for this interview wouldn't you say so luke yeah i agree <laughs> I, I can't figure out why he wouldn't hold up the auction and his whole schedule just so to make sure that we could get this accomplished
3: I agreed pretty important stuff we're talking about carl No know better
1: <laughs> uh th- i'll tell you what those guys are motivated up there in wisconsin aren't they
3: they sure are man one of the best most effective hunting organizations in the country the wisconsin bear hunters association and carl does an amazing job as their leader and uh, proud to partner with them and work with them often
1: was that your first convention
3: uh, no, I actually gone to a few conventions before when I used to work in the legislature, um, but I hadn't been back in a number of years, and and it was great to be there with those folks.
1: Even in the mid, uh, amid the uh, the national global crisis of the pandemic, bear hunters are immune. They show up in force and keep moving. It was awesome. Amen. Amen. It was awesome. Well, Luke, I uh, thanks for taking time i know that you're extremely busy right now but i did want to have you on uh in the in the pre-roll section of this podcast just so we could kind of talk about some current issues and it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we ended up with information that needs to get out there that's pretty urgent in the state of vermont you want to talk about that a little bit
3: yeah so we got yesterday we got word from uh, from you and other folks that we worked with that the state of Vermont was trying again to uh, basically ban bear hunting as we know it. Um, for the last five years, the state of Vermont has considered legislation that would uh, basically ban bear hunting with hounds. Uh, would make the hunter um, basically be within arm's reach of their dog um, when less. they're out on the path of a bear. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, can you even imagine? It, it just tells you the the insanity of these legislators who are anti-hunting in general and have no concept of how hunting actually works uh, to come up with such backward proposals like this. And so we sprang into action, uh, sent out our action alert to our network of hunters all across the country. And, you know, even though we only have a few hundred folks in Vermont, um, it's a small state,
1: Mm -hmm. 600,000
3: people, you know, 600,000 people, 60,000 licensed hunters. And, you know, even a few hundred people can make the difference um, in these state policy fights. And that's what Hunter Nation is really encouraging uh, the American hunter to take a much more active role in impacting these policies that are being uh, put out there all the time across the country.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing uh, the way we can activate our network. And we've been very successful so far this year on turning back the tide on uh, several hunting issues. And this has been an ambush type thing. Can you kind of... Elaborate on how this came about. Uh, you know how this was snuck in.
3: Yeah. So again, the best um, the best way to describe it is they tried to sneak through a darn bill that would eliminate hunting without any public input. They did it. Uh, they literally motioned and messaged the uh, hearing on this legislation uh, within 24 hours. Uh, they have a total total lockdown still in Vermont, so public citizens couldn't even show up and testify. Um, and they were going to roll this thing through in 24 hours. They noticed the uh, committee hearing, and they were going to take a vote on it yesterday, Um, and they were hoping, again, to sneak this kind of anti-hunting policy through without any input from the people that it would directly impact. And so, again, that's where organizations like ours and what you do with Houndsman XP is so critical to make sure that people are aware of it, number one, so they can't play these sneaky tricks. And number two, making sure that the hunter's voice is well-represented in all of these policy discussions that are happening across the country.
1: Yeah, we've been blasting it out on our social media platforms uh, trying to get the awareness up. One thing that I think is important is we always have to we always have to remind people that th- this type of legislation even though it's happening in Vermont the 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 anti-hunting crowd, I call them the animal radicals, will see what strategies work and what doesn't work and if we can unite across the united states to to let our voices be heard to say hey this is not acceptable then then it sets them back because up till now i i've been in the this business for my whole adult life and tracked what these anti-hunting groups do they expect us to be unorganized, disorganized, have a poor network, poor communication, when they don't. They've been building up for years, and I think we're starting to get in front of the curve with groups like yours.
3: I agree with that, man, and I think that's why it's so critically important, right? You've said it, the anti-hunting crowd, and I like your terminology. I'm going to copy that and start using it, right? They they basically are well-funded, well-organized, using our tax dollars in a lot of instances against us using the money that they've received in grants and other things from governments across the country and the federal government in general um, to go and blast these anti-hunting proposals all across the country. And again, they do it in this sneaky fashion, hoping that they can slide one through here and slide one through there. And it builds momentum for their efforts, right? Mm -hmm. The other fight that we're fighting right now is in Virginia, where they're trying to ban predator calling competitions, basically taking away hunters' rights to go out and, manage a population of predators in the coyote in Virginia. And this is happening not only in Virginia, they've that they've actually banned it already in eight states. And their right. goal, proudly displayed on the hunt you know, the Humane Society of the United States goal is to eliminate predator calling competitions in every state. And my perspective is if we let them get one, they're coming for the other and the other and the other. Because they're exactly. not going to stop until they ban all hunting as we know it.
1: Houndsmen can't afford to sit back and say, well, we don't have coyote contests around here. Because a lot of those coyote contests involve calling coyotes, uh, you know, with with, uh, predator calls. It also includes the take of coyotes, you know, whether it be with hound or whatever. But, uh, you know, it'd be easy for a person who is just a coon hunter, a competition coon hunter, to say, well, you know, I'm not concerned about a coyote uh, contest where they're using hounds. That doesn't affect me. But if you turn a dog loose and pursue a game, that's just the that's the easy mark right now for them. It's easy to uh, sensationalize what's going on there, and and really pull on people's emotions to get behind it. But once they're done there, the next thing is going to be, oh my gosh, you mean you're using hounds to pursue raccoons? What if you what happens if you if you you know kill one of those while you're engaged in your competition it's next it's just very strategic systematic plan and luckily we're learning what that what their strategy is and we're meeting them head on toe to toe and really going head to head with them and we're coming out on top amen
3: and i think that's what's so exciting for me as the leader of hunter nation is to see that grassroots army of american hunters coming together And understanding that as a united voice, that there is no fight that we can't engage in to protect the future of our lifestyle and our passion. And if we stay united, we can absolutely beat these things across the country. And I think the other part of it, too, is just that word unite, right? You and I talked about this, and your folks will hear it during the podcast. But when hunters unite and we go to bat for each other, um, that's what makes us strong, right? I, I will fight with any hunter to protect what they like to do in the outdoors, be it a houndsman, be it a raccoon hunter, be it a deer hunter, be it an elk hunter, be it a turkey hunter. If there are threats out there to any one of those pursuits, we need to be there as the united voice to protect the future of that pursuit. Because as you said, if they get one, they're coming for them all.
1: You're exactly right. One thing, let's just talk about where people can find information. I thought you were alert. Your legislative alert was on on uh, the mark, and uh, there's a lot of information in there about emails and uh, uh, phone numbers and different things like that. So give us a rundown of where they can find information on this, and also keep up to date on all things that Hunter Nation is working on and trying to keep us informed in the fight.
3: Yeah, so go to HunterNation.org is our website, and in, in that spot, you'll see our action center, our blog post, where you can go down and see all of the, the policy fights we're engaged in across the country and lend your voice, right? I don't, I don't care if you're from Wisconsin or you're from Vermont or you're from New Hampshire. If there's a fight going on, as I said, that involves the future of hunting, lend your voice to It doesn't matter if you're not from that state. These people need to hear it. And the more calls and emails and phone calls they get from hunters who say that you shouldn't be doing this. Why are you attacking hunting? Um, the better
1: off we're going to be as a movement across the country. I agree. Well, Luke, thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule today to uh, help me shore up this pre-roll. And people can also join Hunter Nation by going to uh, hunternation.org. You guys sell memberships, and uh, you want to run yes. through that real briefly?
3: Yeah, so we are a membership-driven organization. We're a nonprofit that's out there fighting every day on the front lines to protect the future of hunting. And you can become a member, it's 35 bucks a year. We have an annual membership of 35, we have a lifetime membership of 1250 bucks. Each one of those comes with a little bit of a prize and a treat, but the bigger (laughs) thing is that you are helping us fund the fights that we're engaging in across the country. And I think the unique thing about Hunter Nation is that we are willing to use any tool at our disposal to protect the future of hunting. Be it legislative, be it policy, be it politics, be it legal, we are going to be there fighting for the future of hunting in every state across the country.
1: And you have demonstrated that in Wisconsin. People are going to hear about that fight that Hunter Nation took to the state of Wisconsin to hold their feet to, fi- to the fire and hold them accountable and fight for hunters' rights. So and the freedoms that we enjoy. Luke, thank you very much. And we are going to roll into this interview. It's time to dump the box. Southern Hound Honey Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with Southern Hound Honey Magazine because they represent our mission to preserve, protect, and promote. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Honey Magazine. You also get an in depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle living it every day to the fullest from the rocky mountains to the southern swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond go to southernhoundhunting.com get your subscription for 15 dollars a year southern hound hunting magazine promoting the fair chase experience Gonna take a picture of us to
3: start, and we'll put it up on our website. And
2: Great.
1: Yeah. About
3: you guys. Should I? Podcast.
2: Yeah. How are we gonna hear?
3: There we go. Awesome.
1: Sweet. Sweet.
2: He's got the he's got the tall body, the yeah. long arms. He can Carry really. He
1: does not even need a selfie along. stick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So, Lauren, you uh you set this whole interview up.
2: Well, it's not like I did a lot. I just you know said, "Hey, thanks for what you're doing and yeah. we you know kind of started talking from there, and yeah. I missed you by like probably like twenty minutes yesterday,
3: yeah, yeah, it's been busy uh ever since we got the wolf lawsuit done now, everybody wants us to jump in and help with their fights across the country, which we're happy to do, but uh, no rest for the weary for sure
2: I was gonna say you're a man on a mission, and yeah. you've gotta you've gotta keep moving. You had a busy day yesterday,
3: yeah. Yeah, we uh, signed up members yesterday, and we have another booth down at the the Kalahari for the Deer and Turkey Expo as well. So we're we're doing everything we can to build our army across the country. So. Yeah,
1: that's great. So we got Luke Hilgeman, on the, with Hunter Nation yes, on sir. the podcast, and uh, Luke, your organization really popped up for me uh, in the last couple months because of the. Uh, the involvement you have with the the wolf hunt here in Wisconsin and uh, really started digging in, looking into your organization, and uh, that's why I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Well, it's great to
3: be with you guys, and, you know, I got involved with Hunter Nation about 18 months ago. Actually, I was working out in my basement one morning and uh, saw an ad that said, God, family, country, and protecting our hunting and outdoor traditions. If uh, you believe in these things, join Hunter Nation, and I'd never heard of Hunter Nation before, Um, But I have a background in grassroots and politics, been doing that my whole adult life. And uh, fired up their website, looked at who was involved. We got Ted Nugent, we got Michael Waddell. We have a bunch of celebrities in the outdoor world and some really passionate hunters who've made this their lifestyle, Mm -hmm. Um, With all with an eye towards being the united voice of the American hunter. There's a lot of really great groups out there that do good work, from the Bear Hunters Association, where we are today, to the deer hunters, the turkey hunters, the elk I mean, every species pretty much has at least one or two premier groups that are out there protecting uh, the right to hunt those animals. But at the end of the day, there hasn't been a group out there that's protecting the American hunter. And that's really what I think we see uh, uh, Hunter Nation being for uh, this movement across the country is we're going to be that group that unites with anybody to protect God, family, country, and hunting in general. And uh, that's why I got involved. So... Yeah. That would
2: catch my eye too, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, why didn't they market that to me? I don't know.
1: Yeah,
3: no I didn't doubt. get that face. Well, we yet. are now. Yeah. We are
2: now.
1: Yeah. So, how long has Hunter Nation been around? Yeah, so Hunter Nation started
3: back coming out of 2016. Uh, the, the founders of the organization are two gentlemen named Keith Mark and Don Pei. Um, Keith is actually an attorney out of Kansas City, but he owns McMillan River Adventures, one of the largest outfitters in the Yukon had a show on the Outdoor Channel where he, him and uh, uh, former WWF All-Star went around and basically hunted the globe. And Don Pay is uh, known on the Western Slope as somebody who protected Utah's outdoor and hunting traditions, actually brought back their herds and populations like never before. Donald Trump Jr. is a close personal friend of theirs. They were sitting around a campfire up in the Yukon after a successful moose hunt, and they said, what are we doing to secure opportunities for the future of hunting? and came up with Hunter Nation right there at that campfire. So it's uh, something that's been around since 2016, um, but we really, I think, hit the scene here in the last year since I took over as president and CEO. And not because of me, but just because of the passion that we've uh, been able to harness from hunters across the country who are sick and tired of losing these fights
1: when it comes to our lifestyle and our our hunting traditions. I like the fact that you call it a lifestyle. That's one thing that we try to talk about on the podcast. And uh, just move your mic down just a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of a nose breathing there. There we go. Yeah, there we go, Luke. Thanks. Uh, But uh, lifestyle, you know, sports are something that um, seem trivial. You know, but when you talk about hunting as a lifestyle, and in our case, houndsman as a lifestyle, then it is something that that goes beyond a, a recreational sport. That's right, and that's the way
3: you talk about it because I mean, just look at the the amount of time, effort, energy, and dollars that traditional hunters put into this lifestyle, this outdoor traditions that we we you know, we, we participate in and there's just no doubt about it, right? I mean, if you're a hunter, you're living your life, um, working hard during the week and living for the weekends, a lot of times to get out there and pursue your passion. And so, but that doesn't leave, right? That's not something that you just put on the side and say, oh, I'm, I'm a hunter on the weekends. No, you're a hunter at all times. And that's where I think we we uh, really have harnessed that with the American hunters. Just be passionate about it. Be passionate about the lifestyle that you live. Share the stories in a way that brings more people into this because that's the other part of what we're trying to do. Is hunter numbers have been on the decline for the last decade here in America And if we don't do something as hunters to bring more people into this sport and protect the future of the lifestyle, it's going to be gone in a generation and uh, another reason that Hunter Nation exists.
1: We really are just one generation away from, from folding up the tent Dumping dumping the coffee pot in the campfire and finding something else to do with our weekends.
3: No doubt about it. Yep. And it's a serious threat. I mean, the numbers are real. Two million hunters have given up the sport, any sport, right? I don't care if it's deer hunting, turkey hunting, elk hunting. We all have the same issue. And uh, at the end of the day, we need to do more to bring people into this because without more people, new fresh blood coming in and be taking up the sport of hunting, the heritage isn't going to last. It's just not going to last.
1: Right. What have you seen... Uh, as far as your data is showing you uh, since COVID kicked in on hunter involvement, new hunter involvement? Well,
3: we've seen a tremendous uptick, um, not only in license sales, but I've seen the numbers as high as over a million new folks have come into the sport of hunting just in the last year which is a reversal of the trend, as I said, over the last decade, where we've been losing millions of hunters. I think there is a renewed renewed interest in the sport of hunting, a renewed interest in anything that gets people to the outdoors, and that it's imperative for hunters across the board, these groups that we're a part of, that we partner with on this stuff, to capture those folks and bring them into this lifestyle, make sure that they're not just one and done. Um, because that's a that's the other fear is is that these people because of COVID came out to the outdoors and now all of a sudden they experienced it once and they can go back to their normal way of life like we we got them let's keep them here
1: yeah I think a lot of hunters uh, saw this recent surge you know they go out they go out into the the places they hunt and it's like where did all these people come from and that can go that can take one or two paths you can either uh, you know, complain about them being there, or we can embrace them, mentor them and sh- and and you know take take advantage of that that surge
3: absolutely and I think that 's the things that I talk about with hunters across the country. I think the two biggest threats that we have to the future of hunting is apathy number one and division number two. If you go out to your hunting spot and you see somebody that's new there that, you know, drops their gun, doesn't understand what they're supposed to be doing, go and help them, right? Don't see them as a threat to they're going to take away my, my deer or my bear or whatever it may be. Like, we got to welcome these people in because at the end of the day, um, if, as, as hunters, if we unite, and that's what we did here in Wisconsin, if we unite behind something and, and stick together, there's nothing that we can't
1: accomplish together. right i don't know how this is going to play i'm not
2: sure we've got we've got uh That sounds like carl on the mic there yeah
1: go tell carl to knock it off we're trying to do a podcast (laughs) can i just throw
2: a ball at him or something yeah
1: yeah yeah uh so i had something you got anything lauren let me get my mind back on track
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've got a lot of things i also think um like you talked about apathy and all that, you know, that, that's hurting us. I think complacency is a big thing too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So when I got involved with Hunter Nation, one of the biggest problems that the folks that started this were trying to solve for was the fact that hunters don't vote. Okay. That's how we got started. And, and when they told me that i was just like what do you mean hunters don't vote right like i've i've always seen and i've been in politics my whole adult life like i always thought that hunters were a reliable voting block mm-hmm. they understood the importance of choosing our leaders one of the foundational principles of our republic and yet when i did the data dive less than half of licensed hunters in this country actually voted in the last two election wow. cycles
1: wow that's surprising
3: it's 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 frightening you know we and talk
1: about we we constantly talk about a patriotic group and then to hear that kind of data uh how does crow taste you know
2: you know you're talking you know the last two elections yeah but at the same time it's those little even local elections that matter that's where it starts that's right
3: that's Mm -hmm. that's where the future um, of the sport is going to be determined and I think you talk about complacency. That That's part of it, too. The other part that we hear from hunters across the board, we do shows all over the country, is they're never going to kick me out of the woods. They're never going to take away this, this tradition that I've been par- participating in. Oh, yeah? Right. Right? Oh, right. yeah? Take a look at what they try to do here in the state of Wisconsin. We have a statutorily required wolf hunt, okay? I helped write the statute before I left the legislature, put it in statute that says from the months of November to February, when the wolf is no longer under federal protection, which it's not, we need to have a wolf hunt. Okay. Right. The, the governor and his Department of Natural Resources here in Wisconsin just said, uh, we'll, we'll do that later on in 2021. We'll, we'll get to that next year. Right. Knowing full well that in that pause, they were going to allow anti-hunting groups, Humane Society, all of these other groups that stand against our lifestyle to swoop in and work with, with judges in California and on the West Coast to try and relist the wolf taking away any opportunity that we had to manage that species here in Wisconsin. And that's why we sprang into action. Like that's not good enough. We can't, we can't wait. We can't wait. Um, And that's where it started. But it's all, like you said, complacency is one of the biggest things that we face as a movement of hunters is we have to be involved. We have to be engaged and we better step up to the plate or these traditions are going to be gone.
2: Definitely. Yeah. I I think a lot of people kind of, I hope this was a wake up call that's, that's kind of just what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, and they understand, you know, where we need to put our resources and to be able to, yeah, live our lifestyle and, and keep that, that right. And you know, the, the language that was put in that, that law with the wolves, like it was solid, like, and that's why, you know, we won the, uh,
3: the, the trial, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the court case and we were really expl- explicit, right, when we wrote the statute itself. Let's, uh, let's back up yeah, a little yeah.
1: bit. I, I just want to um, – Hunter Nation filed a lawsuit against the state of Wisconsin and the DNR to impose – well, demanding that you follow the law. That's right. So tell us how that – because this was extremely intriguing to me, Luke, because I've been sitting back for years watching the anti-hunting crowd filing these lawsuits, filing for injunctions, blocking us from doing what we're going to do and wondering when we are going to hit back. That's right. And Hunter Nation brought it. Yes, we did.
3: And I agree with you 100%. As a lifelong hunter and somebody who's worked in politics and government my whole life, it was always fascinating to me that the anti-hunting groups organize and have a legal arm of their strategy, right? And they sue hunters um, all the time. But there's no other organization out there that until now, until Hunter Nation came on the scene that has sued back and said, you know what, we have a statutory protected right. We also have a constitutionally protected right, which we argued in the in the lawsuit that says wolves need to be hunted when they're no longer protected for management purposes. And it's a shall. You shall hold a hunt, right? We didn't give them No, no ambiguity. It is you shall hold a hunt from these months during this time. And then we also have a constitutional right to hunt, which is in our state constitution, and so we argued those two things in our case when we filed it. I put my name on the lawsuit as the only plaintiff. Right? We we're out there, and and I'm 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 not going to back down on this stuff. Like I, this is what I love to do with my kids and. Nobody's going to take these rights away from me when they're they're in our state law, they're in our state constitution. And so we wrote the, the lawsuit very specifically that they were infringing on on our right as hunters to go out and, and manage this species. But that also, we have a constitutionally protected right to get out there and do it. And, you know, it was, it was a long shot, to be honest. When we filed the lawsuit, um, I gave it less than a 30% chance of succeeding just because it never happened before. And, right. and this, this type of thing hasn't been done by a hunting group. Um, and then the judge took the ruling and he read verbatim like we couldn't have written a better ruling than what judge. The judge down in Jefferson County gave to us. He said the law is very clear. Right. Constitutionally protected. Right. Not only constitutionally protected, but it's in state statute. So don't delay. Right. He brought the DNR to the table and said, you're coming back to this court and you're going to tell me what you're doing to start this hunt next week.
1: That was unbelievable.
2: It happened all (laughs) so fast. It was amazing. It
1: was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I get notified that that you guys won the lawsuit. And the next thing I see is, hey, we're having a wolf hunt next week. That's right. Unbelievable. Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel easily fits in the back of an suv or if you're traveling with a camper shell it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling you just got to check out their dash series this is a watering system and i've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years but this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic The water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it. Check them out. Uh, The 3.5 is also compact enough that I can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while I'm out hunting when it's super cold. I've had exterior tanks before, and as soon as I go to cold climates, then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get water to my hounds, and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at Dakota 283.com and at checkout, enter the code HXP10 and get 10% off of your order.
3: Yeah. And and to be able to say, you know, the DNR was telling us all along it's going to take months, you know, maybe even a year for them to come up with a season structure, be able to put out tags. Well, suffice it to say, they did it in 72 hours, right? And in and and in talking to people, and we have folks that have reached out to us from all across the country. Our science is good enough now that they can do this in a matter of hours. They can basically run the numbers and say, here's what we think our population is, put it into the computer, and it spits out a number that says this is your quota, issue the tags, and let's go hunting. Right. And that's what happened.
1: So tell me me why it was important for uh, Wisconsin to manage the wolf population. Why Hunter Nation saw that as an issue that they needed to get involved with. It wasn't simply... We want to kill some wolves. No,
3: no, not at all. I, I think a couple of things. Number one, we know that this is a, a population of predators that is out of control, right? They took away our ability to manage that resource here since 2014 was the last wolf hunting season we had in Wisconsin. And as a result of that, the population has exploded. They've increased their range all the way down to the southern part of the state. And I think that was number one is we know that wolves have expanded their range. They're, they're killing um, predation, depredation payments rose 70% from 2014 to 2020, Mm -hmm. right? So more interactions with pets and livestock and cattle and other things. So we know that there are more interactions happening with wolves that people don't really want to have happen. And I think the other part of it is, is that the wolf in general, um, if, if we don't manage the species effectively, we, we get some things that happen, right? Hunters, farmers, other folks are just going to start killing them themselves because they don't have any other choice. They're, take, they're killing deer. There was five counties in northern Wisconsin um, that had wolf kills more deer than hunters did. Wow. You know? Wow. Right? Five counties in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin Wolf Facts, another one of our partner mm-hmm. organizations, pulled together that study. And it's it's a fascinating, right? Wolves are killing more deer than hunters in five northern counties in Wisconsin. So we have a problem. And we needed to manage this resource. And I think that's why we, we said, like, we have to do this now because we knew that the anti-hunting groups were already out there judge shopping, looking for a favorable liberal judge who was going to put the wolf back under protection and take away our ability to manage that species.
1: But couldn't the anti-hunting crowd come back and say, well, isn't that by design? You know, our our platform for hunting for is obviously the North American model for wildlife conservation. And in that is the manage management tool of hunting. So when a predator species can manage a wild population, why is that a bad thing?
3: Well, number one, it's a bad thing because it it doesn't work, right? Um, I think, like I said, there is no other predator out there that takes care of the wolf. Mm -hmm. If it's not hunters, then they just continue to expand their range, expand their numbers, and and have really bad outcomes for hunters, for pet owners, for ranchers, for farmers. And I think that's where we stepped in and said that's not good enough. You may be able to argue that with your your members in big cities across the country. But the people who have to live with wolves in their backyard, running through, when their mm-hmm. kids are out playing in in the you know in the sandbox, which stories we've all heard, um, it's not good enough. Hunters need to play a role in managing these apex predators, and I think that's where we said, let's go get this
1: done. Yeah, because real quick, let me finish my point. You know, those deer harvest objectives were set up for hunting, yeah. and when you have a population of predators who is making a higher impact on that, then it's throwing the management plan for that that wildlife species completely off the rails. So not only is it, it, it goes against science and it goes against common sense. That's right, agreed 100%.
2: I was gonna say, you know, one thing I think that they don't think about, or they, you know, they talk about, like, oh, they need to go back to their historic range. Like we want wolves back on their historic range. Once you introduce people, you know, onto this 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 vast you know American landscape, things have, You know, we are the stewards That's right. of you know our flora and our fauna, and you know, you do do you want wolves can't live in in, in Chicago? They can't live. Oh, they, well, there's coyotes in Milwaukee and all that. There might be a wolf. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's just not fathomable for for those people, I guess, to understand that the wolf can't be back to their historic range or their historic numbers because we as people are there.
3: Right. Right. We didn't have uh, shopping malls and uh, other big city encroachment um, on the wolf's original range. And it's a goal that we should all share to bring wolves back. And, And that's, I think, another part for Hunter Nation is we're not an organization that believes we need to kill all the wolves. They're an important part of the ecosystem, and, mm-hmm. and it's about management, though. Just like anything else, any other species, any other population of wild game, if we're not managing them, bad outcomes happen. Disease, other issues that just are a part of nature, right? Your mother Nature is a, an amazing woman, and she's going to take care of it one way or another. So that's, I think, another part of it for Hunter Nation is we know what happens if, if hunters aren't out there managing these species, and it's just bad outcomes for wildlife in general.
1: You know, people that think wolves are the answer or nature can take care of itself. The thing we always try to, the message we always talk about is there is no glorious death in nature. And anybody that has ever seen a wolf kill or witness a wolf kill, um, I can tell you, if, if, if a person is coming at this completely from the animal welfare standpoint of let's, in, let's manage this resource in the most humane way possible then England just did a study on cortisol Death levels one two. One two. cortisol levels in deer yep. and the lowest lowest stressors for animals that are killed is through gunshot I mean lowest levels they test it and it's there so um, yeah I, I don't That's the argument against... Everybody's got the Disney mentality, and they think it can all just... If only, right?
3: All butterflies and rainbows.
2: Like, you know, nature is awesome. Nature is beautiful, but, you know, it's brutal.
3: It's brutal. And violent. Yes, yes. And that's, I think, another part of it, too, is anybody that I've talked to who's against harvesting or managing predators, wolves, coyotes, may be it. Go and talk to somebody, like you said, who's lived through or... And you know had wolves kill, like I talked two, to a one, two, <laughs> they just aren 't going to leave us alone um, I went and talked to a farmer up by Medford, Wisconsin. This is a fourth generation farm um, they 've raised sheep and pigs and goats on this farm for for generations, and they had their entire sheep herd knocked out by wolves three times in the last four years, okay not just they came in and they killed a few sheep they came in and killed all of their sheep, Yeah. all of their sheep. Okay. You go and talk to these people and hear their story and then you come back and tell us whether or not you think we should be able to manage this species of predators. Like if we don't as hunters um, have the opportunity to get out there, these types of things are going to continue to happen and they're going to become more prevalent across the board and that's why we are going to continue these fights um, to make sure that hunters play a role in our conservation strategies and and we got to do
2: it and and the hunters and the farmers and the ranchers like we don't want that to happen. We don't want our cattle taken. We don't want our dogs taken by wolves. So, you know, we we do everything we can to to avoid that. And it's, you know, it's still happening.
1: That's right. What I is know. it about the wolf? You know, there aren't any arguments about state yes, 1 2 yes, 1 2 We might have to move. Yes, 1 2 if they just quit testing i, I mean think the it's test working. is working
2: out fine it's, it's
1: working great <laughs> yeah test you can one, hear two. it all the way in the back of yeah. the room guys we're uh, good yeah <laughs> what is it about the wolf there's no argument about managing the state managing whitetail herds yep. or uh small fur bearers or any other species but you talk about the wolf and all of a sudden the state the same state that can manage every other piece of wildlife in that state but they they shouldn't be managing wolves what is that it's money
3: it's 100% money if you take a look at the opposition to hunting and the anti-hunting crowds across the board and organizations they're well funded they're well organized but one of the biggest tools that they use for fundraising when their general membership is the wolf right people love the wolf it's a symbol they see it as a symbol right And they go out, and I'm not kidding you, we have the data, they raise millions of dollars to support their anti-hunting initiatives based on just the wolf alone. Emotion. Emotion. Mm -hmm. It's all emotion, right? People think that if we're, you know, you see the articles that were written about the wolf hunt, savages, all of this other stuff that the anti-hunting crowd uses to, to define what we did. If you went, and as I did, I went on a wolf hunt, my youngest son drew a tag, and we went and chased a wolf for nine hours. These species are incredibly difficult to kill, number one. Um, They are are incredible predators, number two. And if you just take a look at at what they do, like, if you're not out there managing this resource, we are going to continue to have human interactions that are bad outcomes for people across the board. And the anti-hunting crowd, they don't live with them. They don't know what it's like to walk out in your backyard and see a wolf run through. It's great to come out and listen to them howl and then go back to the cities where you live, but if you actually have to live with the species, it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game.
1: That is that is so true. You know, the people that are most impacted often have the least amount of influence, That's right. and uh, the the farmer that you talked about, the hunters, the you know, it seems like their voice is muted way too often in these issues of wildlife management and when you talk about wildlife management i mean really what it boils down to is about 90 percent of the effort is put into managing people yeah you know and i'd love to see it when a, a group like hunter nation comes out and puts the focus back where it should be
3: yeah and that's what we're going to continue to do i think you just take a look at the american hunters in general there's 15 million of us across the board who've purchased licenses in the last 10 years here in this country if we have a way to unite that group of people behind protecting our lifestyle and making sure that these traditions are passed on to the next generation, they're going to be passed on. Mm-hmm. But if we stay here in this position where we are and we're still kind of divided and you know we're fighting for bow hunting one day or against crossbow hunters the next day or that guy shot too small of a buck, if we're not unified as hunters, then we are going to be defeated. Right. And that, I think, is the role that Hunter Nation hopes to play is, look, if we can all agree that hunting, regardless of what you take to the woods to go and pursue your game species of choice is an important part of our American history that needs to be continued to the next generation, then we're going to be just fine. But if we continue to divide ourselves and fight against each other, then we're in a lot of trouble.
1: I'll tell you, that's a conversation that we were having with the officers, uh, the Wisconsin bear hunters today. You know, we spend a lot of time focused on the anti hunting movement, and we need to stay tuned stay in tune with what they're doing but in my opinion, we need to bridge the gaps in our hunting community that's where our first effort should be to have a unified message I'm a hunter, you're a hunter let's come together and support that and and get that bedrock foundation underneath us and then we can start looking at some of these other things. You know, how do we influence a non-hunting public? How do we get more education? But until we can bridge those gaps within our hunting community, we're gonna to continue to struggle. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's Warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom freedomhunters at freedomhunters.org, or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website, from field to field.
3: Agreed, 100% agreed. And and again, that's part of our focus at Hunter Nation is uniting hunters, regardless of what they like to hunt or how they hunt it. We're gonna be there to fight for you. And uh, you can be assured that that's what we're doing. You know, the wolf hunt got a lot of notoriety and a lot of press and a lot of publicity. But what our, our members also need to know is we're fighting these fights all across the country. Just last week in the state of Virginia, uh, we worked with a group of predator hunters out there. Um, they came in, and they, they were going to ban the predator, hunt, uh, predator calling competitions in right. the state of Virginia. This is a big thing. It's, a, it's one of the top priorities for the Humane Society. Again, part of their strategy to try and knock off different parts of hunting that they think they can get a, a leg up on us and we we sprung into action. These guys, they literally put together 3,000 people in a matter of weeks, sent out a bunch of emails and phone calls to their Wildlife Resource Commission in Virginia, and they voted 5-4 to to take back that that proposal last week. So again, it's just uniting people to say, we're going to fight these fights um, to protect the future of hunting, and I don't care if it's predator hunters or deer hunters or elk hunters or wolf hunters, we're going to be there to fight these fights with you.
1: Awesome.
2: And, uh, We've got a a new fight kind of on the horizon. I mean, there's they're all over the country, but Michigan. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that.
3: Yeah. So immediately after the the win in Wisconsin, I got some outreach from folks up in the UP who are dealing with wolves um, that are out of control. Same same situation as as Wisconsin. Haven't had a hunt since 2012. Um, wolf population has grown by at least. Uh, five times their, their managing capacity that they set in the state of Michigan. And depredations are happening um, across the board. They, they don't track them as well as we do here. Um, but depredations are on the increase. And these folks are desperate up there, right? Their deer herd is decimated. Um, it went from 600,000 deer in the, in the upper peninsula of Michigan down to 100,000 in just the span of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Think about that, Right. 100,000 deer in the Upper Peninsula, it's impacting property values. It's impacting traditions that have been carried. No longer are you seeing these hunting camps that have existed for generations in the UP. People are selling those properties. I was
1: just up in the UP in the end of January. It was a ghost town. Yeah.
3: And these guys reached out and said, can you please come to Michigan and help us here? So we said, absolutely. We're in this fight. And so just last night, uh, we've been working with Senator Ed McBroom from up in the, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, who has literally taken on this charge. He, he put together a resolution encouraging the, the Wildlife Commission in Michigan to be able to host a hunt up there starting in 2021. Um, and unfortunately, the commission has delayed they came back. I actually testified in support of his resolution before the commission. And the natural resource secretary up there said, well, no, we're going to take a public opinion survey of the entire state of Michigan before we even have a conversation about Yeah, because about Detroit wolves. has a lot of concern that's
1: about right. what's going on with wolves in the UP. Yeah, that's when right. things
2: are left up to the public and not science and yeah. all that, that's like, I just... Yeah, come on man infuriating, <laughs>
3: infuriating and then he says you know oh w- we're going to come back we're going to study this we're going to do our survey and we're going to update our plan and we'll we'll come back and talk about a wolf harvest season in june of 2022 hmm. oh, what do you think is going to happen in that time we already know you right? bet <laughs> they've already filed a lawsuit 48 page lawsuit in the state of california to relist the wolf it's already happening so again my message to those folks is very clear like if you want to manage this resource, okay, if you believe that Michigan should have the right to manage the resource of all of your game species, then you need to go now because the fe- the federal government or the courts are going to jump in and take away that ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're in that fight. And we're working with the senator. The next steps for us are, I think we need to replicate what we did in Wisconsin. We need to put it in state law that says, you're going to host a wolf hunt. You shall have a wolf hunt in the state of Michigan and take it off off of the courts, out of the politics, and just say, it's in state it's law. black and white. We're doing it. We're moving ahead. Right. We're managing the species.
2: So what do you think uh, is next in Wisconsin?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of work to be done. But I, I think that the next fights for us are, are going to be really focused on what are we doing to bring more people back into the sport? We talked about it earlier on, right? We know that there's a million new hunters um, across the country that have taken up the sport of hunting. What are we doing in Wisconsin to capture those numbers and figure out what who are they what, what, what sports are they interested in what what species are they um, you know what do they want to go and hunt and really finding a way for us to bridge that and bring them into this movement so that we don't lose them again um, you know we're working right now there's a, a group of us that are getting together to talk about the sporting heritage we're putting together a package of bills that we can push here in Wisconsin and use as a, a blueprint for the rest of the country to follow. Um, so i'm excited about wisconsin i think we have some some good things on the horizon unfortunately i'm not confident that our governor is going to be uh, very supportive of what we're trying to get done but that doesn't mean we're not going to try and get it done anyway right
2: so. right we you know we have to have a voice and we have to try and like you said you know who is the people that are suing back That's right. and you know if we put our put our boxing gloves up people will take notice and the hunters will realize what we're doing and the success that we had and hopefully jump on board
3: that's right and i think we're seeing it here this weekend Um, a lot of handshakes a lot of high fives from the bear hunters crowd after we were successful in our lawsuit that got a a wolf hunt on the books and my message back to everybody that i've talked to so far is don't go away Right. right don't just go back to your lifestyle and go back to your hunting camp and think that it's over like we need these people active and engaged at all times and in all places to protect the future hunting
2: Yeah, we need to we need to talk. We just need to continue the conversation, is what it is. And and we can't be silent. And you know, sure, you can go out and you can go hunt bears all summer and all that. But you know, if you're not talking to people that aren't hunting bears, and you're or or any you know anything, like I talk to people about, like, oh yeah, you know, either they're like you've got four dogs. I'm like, yeah, I've got four dogs. You know, but I hunt with them. You know, they happen to live inside with me too, which kind of helps. (laughs) Sure, you know the the. The sentiment of it, I'm like, yeah, they're my pets, but I also hunt with them, and they're like, oh, that's really cool. And I show them pictures, and I show them videos, and you know, if you talk to people that have no idea about what we're doing and why we do it and stuff like that, like that's that's where the door opens. That's right.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think in, in the education part of it too, right? People don't understand the lifestyle. They see what they see in the press and the media and Hollywood talking about hunters as these savage people. If you come out and you sit around a campfire and see what we actually do, right, come out to my my place anytime with me during a whitetail hunt or a turkey hunt where I got kids running around killing turkeys and having a blast, like, people see, like, wow, this is actually really fun. And I want to be a part of it. And I think that's the other part of what we're trying to do at Hunter Nation through our foundation is just find avenues to bring more people together and share with them the truth about the hunting lifestyle that we live. Right. Um, and really take away the hysteria that they see in the, in the general public.
1: Just misinformation, disinformation. Right. I mean, people, people, our ground game hasn't been good. No, I'll just, hasn't. I mean, it just hasn't. No. We've allowed other, we've allowed the enemy to control the narrative for way too long. So, um, I don't use the word very often, or I think it's grossly overused. But what you guys did in Wisconsin with the wolf season was epic. I mean, it really was. It was a, it was a uh, Iwo Jima moment where we stuck the flag in the ground, and uh, it was awesome. So, thank you. What do you look What are you looking as far as future opposition on this? historic event of having the wolf hunt in wisconsin
3: well there's again we know that the 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 feds are are moving quickly they're you know the, the narrative in the press has just been absolutely appalling right um we killed 216 wolves in 72 hours in the state of wisconsin in this last hunt now they've been out there saying well that's 80 percent over what the the quota should have been Well, no it's not the tribes didn't hunt they didn't kill wolves and if they did they didn't report them right, right? So we have 216 wolves. They the didn't quota even was, out the
2: tags, right? They
3: didn't even get out the tags. Yeah. 216 wolves, the quota was 200, 10% over the quota. Everywhere else, that's a successful hunt. Right. Right? The DNR itself, when the bear hunters this last year had a 12% overkill of the quota, they celebrated it as a tremendous success. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they doing that same thing with the wolf right. hunt? Right, And just controlling that narrative and sharing factual information with people so they can push back and say this is, this is not real, I think is part of the battle. But what's coming next is they're going to take this thing to the courts. They're going to try and get it on right. the federal level, relist the wolf, take away our ability to manage it here in, in the states. And we're going to be there to fight that fight. Um, we're working with a coalition of groups out there um, to, to be able to be in that court of law with our message that we have a responsible management plan that we followed in the state of Wisconsin. And it was a success. So don't don't let the anti-hunting crowd come in here and use this type of rhetoric that it was way out of control and it was savage and all of these other things that they tried to prey in the media. It wasn't. It was a tremendous success. 72 hours, 216 (laughs) wolves
2: killed. So let's talk about that quota. Yeah. So the quota was 200. Yep. And uh, how does that compare to the, quote-unquote, DNR's estimated population in Wisconsin?
3: Well, having studied this a bit, the (laughs) the minimum, okay, the minimum count, the minimum count of wolves in Wisconsin is 1,195 animals. But they also say we have 206 packs, and a pack is a female and a male and whatever offspring they have. So if you just do the math on that, 206 packs, a female and a male, maybe they have a, a litter of five pups. Four or five pups is the average. Take that number. You're not even close to that, right? And then you, you compare it, okay? Just, just use math. 2014, it took hunters in Wisconsin three months to kill 100 wolves that was our quota in 2014 but yet now fast forward to where we were this last spring and we have 216 wolves killed in
1: 72 hours that that number right there when i first saw that i thought they killed that many wolves in 72 hours by a bunch of guys and women sportsmen that haven't hunted wolves for years so you had it's like The it's dogs
2: a, haven't hunted wolves no, and the wolves haven't no. been hunted. Like that no. generation of wolves has, you know. No you know,
1: if you've got one bass in the pond, it's hard to catch. If you've got 100 bass in the pond, it gets a little easier to catch them. That's right. So just based on, I don't know what, that just seems like a foolish argument from, to me from the anti-hunting crowd. Oh, you were brutal. You killed 216. No, what we're saying is that's how many wolves are on the landscape. That's right. That's you know? right.
3: And I think where we are is we need a significant rework of the way we count this population of predators. I was yeah. going to
2: bring that up because they, uh, the way that they, they have volunteers that you know go out and, and check, look at tracks and stuff, and some of those volunteers are wolf patrol people. That's right,
3: anti hunters. Yep, right? exactly. That want to keep the numbers low. Um, and I think the other part well, of it is Well,
2: they want to keep, keep the numbers low, like in quotations. Like, yes. on the books, they'll keep them low. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. So on we the can't record. Hunt them. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking to folks here at the Bear Hunters Convention this weekend. Multiple hunters come up and said, if you want a real count, just come and talk to us. We have our game cameras out 365 days a year. We're getting pictures of wolves all the time. But they don't want to have that conversation with them. Right. They only use this counting tool that's a minimum count. And like you said, the anti-hunting crowds have infiltrated that system, and they are all a part of, of this narrative that's driving against our ability to manage this population. Mm-hmm. So we need a rework of that, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, we're going to be in the fight. Hunter Nation's going to be there. We're going to be not only in Wisconsin, but we're we're launching state chapters all across the country, and we are going to be the united voice of the American hunter to fight back um, to make sure that when our lifestyle's in jeopardy, we're
1: there to to answer that call. Great. Right. Luke, we're going to hit a deadline here pretty quick because yeah. I don't think we can. St- I don't think Carl's <laughs> going
2: to test anymore. He might just start talking. No, president.
1: he, yeah, he's he's not going to say, "Hey, are you guys all right back there recording your podcast?" We need to do this thing today. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm very grateful that you decided to sit down with us and talk about Hunter Nation and and what you guys are doing. And here we go, So Off to the races. Tell- Pause this,
2: um, but I do want to. I do want to get on, on on the record how we can support Hunter Nation, how we can find you after Carl's done talking. I'll tell you what.
1: Why don't we just add that in in the pre-roll
2: for this yeah, podcast? That'll work. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Well, we have a way that we do. Well, I'll try to talk over Carl here. But uh,
3: until next time, you follow your hounds. I'll follow mine.
1: Awesome. Thank you, guys.